Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. We back and before we continue with this morning's message, let us open in prayer. It's always vital to entreat unto God and come to know Him closer and deeper. We dependent upon His anointing. Father God Almighty, may the ministry of Your Word speak loudly to all of us. May Your Holy Spirit speak and touch our hearts. Lord, be glorified in what we do, for the entrance of Your Word gives light and it brings understanding to the simple. Your Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Lord, we lay it all down this morning that your Spirit will minister unto each one of us. And those who are listening to this, may we receive this message with all anticipation and with great joy so that we may be filled and stirred by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen. Well, you know, it is always such a privilege and an honor to share a message of God to all of you. God always wants to give us something to encourage us. It always will be in the season that we are in. And you must always know this. The Lord does speak. We just need to learn how to listen. You know, at the moment we are in a particular season. We call this the season of joy. I love December months. You know, we have people who are so elated because children and students are finished with their studies and parents are making plans to go on holidays. Many people are making plans to break away. You know, there's a change in the air. People look forward to something for the breakaway and also for the Christmas season that is shortly around the corner where we spend time with loved ones and with family. They refer to this often as a season of joy. And in that, something struck me. How sad it is because a season means that there's a beginning to it and there's an end to it. And if we say this is a season of joy, there's testimony to this. I look at presently, we've got the soccer World Cup that is happening in Qatar. And during this soccer World Cup, I've just seen certain results where some of the so-called smaller countries and nations have beaten some of the more um, or the better, the bigger nations to great shock and surprise to many. And then they show footage of these smaller nations where in the streets of those cities and those countries, the people go and they are joyful and they are glad and they are parting because their, their, their team had beaten a well-known and a better team. And then literally four or five days later when that same team plays and they lose, those same people go and then they ransack those streets and then riots and destruction is at the forefront and the policing forces are called in just to stabilize the situation. It just proves the point that the worldly joy is short-lived. It is only seasonal, but it is not the way that God designed joy. The God kind of joy is not like that. In the book of Nehemiah 8.10, God says this, for the joy of the Lord is my strength. That whole sentence and that word joy and that word strength means this, it is something that God gives to us permanently. The joy of the Lord being a strength is something that is permanently available to us and something we must permanently live in. So therefore, 
It cannot be a season. It should not be a season. It should be a permanent state of mind. The word here says it's an eternal state. This is what we ought to find ourselves in. God wants us to experience him in a permanent way so that we are changed by it and permanently experience this. There's nothing about God that is short-lived and that is temporal. He is a God who gives and lives by things that are eternal. In his word, he says this, speaking of eternity and eternal matters. Listen to what he says in the book of Hebrews 1, chapter 1, verse 1. He says, God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets. That's what's in the past. He says, has in these last days spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, through whom he also made the worlds. That speaks of eternity. And when we get to this morning's foundation text, which is found in the book of John chapter 17, and you can turn there so long, I want to reveal this to you, how permanent God's word is, and that everything that God does, he wants it for us so that we can enjoy the eternal state, the permanency of that. Now, before I read from verse 1, let me just give you some context. Many people say that this... Um, is, well, let's put it this way. When you read in the different translations, there are different headings um, pertaining to certain chapters. And the one that pertains to this is often written there, Jesus praying to the Father. In fact, in this whole chapter, the whole chapter 17, it is, it is truly my favorite chapter in the whole of, of, of the Bible. It is. I've read this so many times, and every single time there is new revelation. Our Lord Jesus prays for himself in this chapter. Then he prays for his disciples. And then he prays for you. Do you know that he's praying for you? That more than 2,000 years ago when this was recorded, God was thinking about you. Because Jesus prays for all the future believers that will believe in his message. But I just want to get to the first five verses. You know, it is often said that this should have been called. Biblical scholars say that pertaining to these headings, that you find in the different translations, this should have been called the Lord's Prayer. And let me explain this. I don't want to cause confusion. We know the Lord's Prayer as the Lord um, has given unto His disciples and for us how to pray in the book of Matthew chapter 5, there from verse 9 onwards, and also in the book of Luke chapter 11. The truth about the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus, our Lord, gave this prayer for us to pray, for the disciples. He said to the disciples, you should pray like this. This was not the prayer for our Lord Jesus. He did not pray this. He could not pray the Lord's Prayer. He could not pray this, and let me validate what I'm saying. How can our Lord Jesus pray the Lord's Prayer in saying, forgive me my trespasses? Our Lord Jesus was sinless. He was perfect. He was unblemished. He was spotless. He had no sin. He couldn't pray it. How could he pray to the Father and deliver me from evil? How can he pray that? Because he was not to be delivered from sin. We are to be delivered from evil because we are the sinners. In fact, Jesus came for Satan. Satan thought that when Jesus was born, he was going to come for him and destroy him. He did not know that our Lord Jesus was getting ready to come for him. He, his whole life was aimed at and planned at purposefully to come for Satan, to destroy him on the cross, the power of sin, so that we could be reconciled to the Father. So when we read this 
in chapter 17, this is our Lord's prayer where he prayed for himself and prayed for others. And I just wanted to bring that. In fact, in all of scripture, this is the longest prayer that our Lord Jesus had prayed. And listen now, let's read together from verse 1. Listen to how our Lord Jesus prayed. He says here in verse 1, Jesus spoke these words and he lifted up his eyes to the heavens and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you have given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as have given him. Then verse 3, and this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God as Jesus and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. In these first three verses, we see our Lord Jesus praying, but he's speaking in the third person. He's praying in an indirect manner. And now for the next two verses, it changes. He now prays directly, speaking to the Father in the first person. Listen, verse, verse 4 says this, I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. And now, Father, O oh Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world was. When we look at just this first verse, Jesus spoke and he lifted up his eyes and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you. This word glorify, just to understand it as context to what Jesus was saying. He glorify means that you elevate and lift something up that is of high value, high esteem. You honor it and you praise it, but you lift it up and esteem it high above all else. And what Jesus, our Lord, was saying this, he said, Father, I esteeming you high and worship you and praising you through my life in, in what I have done. And through this, may you do the same to me. And how was this done? You know, Jesus was obedient right to the end. He glorified the Father by finishing His earthly ministry, by finishing the, the mission that He had here on earth. And the Father glorified the Son by honoring His promise that He would raise Him from the dead. This is how Jesus proves that He is God because He speaks nothing of separation. In fact, He speaks of unity. Him together with the Father, they are one. And what is so powerful here is it starts with Jesus lifted up His eyes. Have you noticed when our Lord Jesus prayed, he lifted up his eyes because that's where his focus was. His focus was never of God. I'm not saying that, they, that when you pray and you're not doing it this way, that your focus is not on God. But there is something significant about your eyes focused upon the heavens. Jesus, when he prayed that Lazarus would come from the tomb, that he would be um, risen up, he also looked up to the heavens. When Jesus prayed... Um, for the 5,000 to be fed before he prayed for, by the breaking of the bread and the fish he looked up to the heavens and he prayed Jesus' eyes were always focused upon God because he knew where his help was coming from our Lord Jesus when he said yeah, my hour has come he, he was not fearful stepping into that, that which was awaiting him I want to clarify something here great agony and pain was about to come to our Lord Jesus Christ this prayer happened right before he was handed over to the soldiers there in the garden of Gethsemane before he was captured captured 
our Lord Jesus knew very well that what was awaiting him. And he didn't ask that the Father would take this away from him. He asked that the Father would strengthen him to endure this. He knew great pain, great agony, great suffering was awaiting him. And that's all that the world saw. That's all that Satan had planned for our Lord. But I want to show you something that we miss in this. Because in great agony and in great hardship and in great pain, there was awaiting triumph and victory. And this is for you this morning, for you who are listening. There is great victory in triumph coming for you in your season wherever you are in if you are enduring physical spiritual material um, relational pain and hardship and torment know this this is the thing that is only a season the suffering and the hardship is only a season but the victory and the triumph is permanent because God established it through Christ Jesus listen Jesus is his his earthly ministry was coming to an end but just because that was happening That wasn't the end of our Lord. That was just the starting of something new. That just as his earthly ministry was coming to an end, so his heavenly ministry was about to commence. Hebrews 7.25 makes it very clear that forever he lives to make intercession for us. That is what he's doing in the heavens. And you must know, your earthly journey, your earthly mission here on earth may come to an end at some point in time, but there's going to be a heavenly mission and a heavenly ministry for you. Jesus is always the, 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 the standard. He's always the role model. And we are to follow that just as he was resurrected from the dead. Resurrected into a glorified body. So we will as well. I want you to understand this. Great triumph and victory is awaiting you and if this is a season of joy make this season of joy permanent so that you permanently walk in victory and triumph it is coming for you the word of God says this and I'm saying to you trust and believe in this what we have to understand your precious child of God the word says that we must take up our cross daily we must take up our cross God is not going to take the cross away from you and me We must understand this. Just as the cross wasn't taken away from our Lord Jesus Christ, and in the physical sense, the Father sent him aid and help. He sent him Simon of Serene to help him carry the cross. So the Lord will send you help to carry that cross. But you must know this. God will not take away the cross, but he will give you the means to persevere. He will give you the strength to overcome. He will give you the power to continue in what you're doing. He will give you the the faith to overcome this burden that you're carrying, this cross that you bear, the Lord will aid and help you. This is what you must know because through this there will come triumph and then will come victory. We learn these lessons through hardship because here through difficulty, God prunes, God shapes and God prepares for greater things which are yet to come because the joy of the Lord is your strength and permanently it is. Verse 2 of John 17 Just briefly, Jesus says here, Father, you have given him, Jesus, authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you have given him. In a nutshell, the Father gave Jesus here executive power over all flesh. And if we put this in layman's terms, Jesus had carte blanche over all flesh. He could 
do whatever he wanted to, if we look at it from a human perspective. But now in verse 3, our Lord Jesus, being God, being beautiful and perfect in all of this, he qualifies what he is doing with all flesh. He is providing a way for all flesh to be saved. No one is discounted, not a single person. Listen to what he says. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I say it again. Jesus qualifies what eternal life here is by two things. He says that they may know you, the Father, being the only true God, and that they may know Jesus Christ, whom the Father had sent. How powerful is this? You see, we have a guarantee of eternal life. Jesus qualifies it here. That which the Father had given unto him, he now qualifies how eternal life can be obtained by these two things. And I want to get to the crux of the message this morning through this one word from this. It says that they may know, that they may know. The word here is gnosko. And this is what I want to bring across to you, precious child of God, this morning on this 4th of December. For the rest of your life, this is what the word means. It doesn't speak of getting to know God as a once-off measure. It speaks of a continuing knowing God. Get to know God continuously for the rest of your life. It says here, it is keep on knowing, continually growing in your experience of God. It speaks about a relationship that is ongoing, that never ceases. And this is the crux where many Christians fall apart. Many people get saved. Many people get saved, but few get to know God. Few get to have experiential knowledge. You see, there are two types of knowledge concerning God. We can learn about God by reading the Word and reading books, watching certain material becoming educated in who God is. And then there is what they call the experiential knowledge. That is learning through your experience with God. And that is the ongoing, the ongoing experience, what the Father says here, that in a continuation, experiencing God personally through the relationship that we have with Him, it says that through this we may know who God is as the true God, being the Father, and coming to know who Jesus Christ is, whom he sent. Why did he send him? So that he could redeem us from the curse. And through this, we could be reconciled with the Father. You see, experiential knowledge changes you. I wrote this down here. It is permanent and it is eternal. That changes you. Listen to what Matthew 7 verse 22 and 23 says. Just to reiterate the point and how significant and powerful it is and why there is a permanence to this. In that day, in, uh, verse 22 of Matthew chapter 7, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done many wonders in your name? Verse 23, and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. I do not gnosco you. I have no ex ex expectation from you that I gave to you that you prescribed to this. The expectation that I have for you to have fellowship with me, you did not live up to that. And now God says, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness because you did not 
gnosko me, therefore I do not gnosko you. I have no personal relationship with you because you chose not to have it with me. How dreadful it must be in that day when that happens. You know, here is, here is the, real, the real bonus for this morning in today's message. So many Christians and all people, as a matter of fact, journey this walk on earth aimless, without purpose, because they do not know what God's plan and purpose for their life is. And you only get to know God's plan and purpose for your life when you get to know who God is. On the 7th of July in two, the year 2003, I walked into this church and that night there were video footage shown of miracle crusades and I saw people being risen from the sick bed, miracles happening, people being set free from, from strongholds and demonic oppression. And I walked back that night and I realized I thought I was a Christian, but I did not know that God. That God who does this, I did not know. And I endeavored from that moment onward, I want to get to know that God. Seven months or so later, I got married, and in 2004, we joined a new home cell as we moved. And for the first time in my life, I experienced the move of God in a home cell. I did not experience nor know this prior to that. In fact, one night in that home cell, the cell leader, by closing off, said, let's close off this way. The cell leader believed that there are three people that has got a message them that they must just pray and speak it as the Lord has purposed it on their heart. And so it was. The first person spoke and so it was. And the second person spoke. And we all waited for the third person. And I was like, come on now, let that first person spoke. And the next moment God put something in my heart and I got such a fright because I've never done this in my whole life. And I was keep on holding it back. I wasn't sure what to do with this. And before I knew it, I started speaking. I prayed about something concerning some people. At the end of that night, when we all gathered together and we had some, some cold drinks and tea and some eats, this couple came to me of whom I said something in that cell as we closed off. And this person, I still know the people's name, I still see their faces because it is so vivid to me. The man came to me and he said to me this, I know that you spoke of God because that which you spoke, nobody knows. My wife and I had not spoken to anyone concerning this. Only God could have revealed this to you. And more and more I wanted of this. And I gave God the glory for that. And I realized I wanted more of this. And we had in that home cell about five or so people that were in the Bible school. And they kept on talking about the Bible school. And they kept on talking about things in the Bible. And it was fascinating to me because they were speaking about things that I didn't know of. And for me, they just sounded so wise and so intelligent. And in the following year, in 2005... I went to Israel with my wife and five of the four of these people in our home cell went together. So we were six of our home cell and wherever the, we went, they pointed out things that the Bible said this and the Bible says that. And, and I was fascinated by this and I realized this is this this is something that I that I wanted for myself. But I was so fearful concerning Bible school because I was fearful that I would be found wanting, that they would realize how little I know. I didn't want to be embarrassed, and that's why I kept on holding back. The moment just came that I realized I could no longer let this fear paralyze me. It was the greatest decision I've ever taken, and for the rest of my life, I've seen 
in this church, we have only got one goal and desire in the Bible school. It is not for you to just to come to know through knowledge, gaining knowledge about God, but it is to have that experiential knowledge. Listen to me. There is no reason why you should even go and pray to, to find out whether you should go to Bible college or not. Bible school, discipleship training center to be trained. You shouldn't go and pray about that. Did the disciples go and pray about whether they should spend time with Jesus in the three years that they went to their own Bible school? You know, in this Bible school of our church, I have seen it time and time and again. In fact, I have not spoken to one person who ever said to me that they were not changed by it. This is the power of God's word. It has the power to bring a gnosko in you that you want to know God, experience God for the rest of your life, and that is permanent. My life has never been the same since then. Every person that I've spoken with since then have had exactly the same experience. If you want a change and experience, a life-changing experience, then this is the place that you must seriously consider to enroll for 2023. If you want to do it online, you do it now. But the fact is, how long do you want to wait? How long do you want to procrastinate? What is it that you are waiting for? God will provide in the finances. God will provide in your time. There is nothing that you do in the kingdom of God that the Lord is not with you. There's not a punishment to it. There's a blessing to it. God will help you. He will help you to get to, to, to it in time for it to be financially affordable for you. God desires and wait for you to complete your earthly ministry. Listen to what our Lord Jesus says here in verse first, in sorry, verse uh, four. I have glorified you on the earth. I have finished the work which you have given me to do. Have you even started with the work? That you are supposed to do here on the earth. How do you know what that work is? We have got subjects in the Bible school called discovering the gifts and the calling of God. Practical discipleship. Walking in the spirit. All these subjects are there to aid you so that you can come to know what God's plan and purpose for you is. What disaster it would be if one day we would die on this earth and we haven't even completed the earthly ministry. Jesus here is the forerunner. He proves to us that every person has an earthly ministry. Everyone has a calling. The disciples had to wait three years so that they would first come to know that Jesus was God before they would come to know what the will of God was for their lives. And it was that they would be, go and, would be, would be, would be sent out to go and witness of Jesus Christ to the world so the people could get saved. You will only get to know what God's plan and purpose for your life is when you get to know who God is, when you get to know that personal, that, that experiential experience that you have. And it's ongoing. It is continuing. I've never stopped having a relationship with God. I sometimes frustrate myself because I look back in my life and I think I've wasted so much time in not getting to know God more deeply and more, more more intimately and this is what God's plan is for you so that you can say like Jesus I have finished the work which you have given me to do 
Some of you are so caught up in the job that you are doing. Your job has become a significant part of your life. Let me tell you, if your job is so important to you, if you are so fearful of perhaps losing your job, if you're so caught up in your job, I'm saying to you that you're still standing under the curse. That is in Genesis 3 from verse 15 to 19. And go and read what it says there. God says, because of the curse, we will toil. We will labor. We will work. You and I will work. But if that becomes our God, then the curse is still upon us. But you see, our work environment is just the place where we can go and reveal to the world who the God is that is in us. It's a place where you testify of God and experience God and let others know about this. About 10, 12 years ago, my wife was driving the one morning and she was bumped from behind by a car. And that momentum pushed her and knocked her in front of the car as well. It, it is, well, it's essentially the car was sandwiched, so to speak. Literally a day or two later, I was driving early in the morning to work. And it was a terrible storm that night. And it was dark the morning when I drove to work. And before I knew it, I drove into a tree that had fallen over during the course of the night, I assume. And there suddenly, in a matter of three days, two cars, gone. We had no transport. And that time we had insurance, but we, we didn't even know about insurance that you can have for, for a hired car and we were stranded but because we had a personal relationship with God we entreated unto God and asked God for his help and we believed that he would do that and the MD of the company that I worked at had favor on us he hired a car for us for that duration until one of the cars would be repaired and so it was that for 30 days we drove in a small car a hatchback car the four of us my wife myself and the two kids and we had two car seats and two prams in the car but that's what we did because the lord provided for us a year later after that that same company gave me a car for free god blessed me with a car for free and all of this because we had personal relationship with God and we knew where our help would come from. I close off this morning with this morning's message. And I want to say to you, don't settle for the seasonal things in your life. Not joy, not your relationship, not coming to know God, but settle for the permanency. Because it is God's desire that you know Him permanently, continuously growing in experiential knowledge so that you can experience God on a daily basis just as His mercies are brand new every day. God wants you to encounter Him brand new every day. Come to know Him. And I promise you, when you think about the Bible school, joining the Bible school, you will have that experience. You will be changed. You will be a different person. There's no reason. I think of this. It's a thought that comes to my mind. What would happen if this whole church would do Bible school? If this whole church would do it? You know, we would change the world. I close off with a sad statistic. Something that I read in the week. You know that... In all of history, in England and in Wales, in all of their history, they did a census intake last year. And in all of their history, Christianity is at the lowest point in their history. In fact, for the first time ever, Christianity in England and in Wales is below the 50% mark. Of all the faiths and all the religions in the world, Every one of those faiths and religions have increased, have grown, except Christianity. Even the religion, the so-called faith denomination, which they call the, those who are of no religion, even that had increased. 
but Christianity is the only faith had decreased. And yes, the real, the real concern, when this information became known, one of the uh, parliamentarians or the parliamentarian aides in the UK said this, we pride ourselves in the fact that we are one of the most diverse nations in the world. And I'm not nailing England. I'm not nailing Wales. I'm telling you what Satan is doing to the world. If a church would take up that responsibility and all become trained up and equipped in the word of God through the Bible school, we will change the nation. We will change nations. That is the power that lies in that. Be blessed this day with this message. Know that God has got permanency planned for you on the earth. You are just the, living the dress rehearsal for the life that awaits us. Everything you do has got permanent and eternal value attached to it. Live by that truth. Glorify God in this. And we will join up with our Lord soon. That just as he in verse 5 it says here. And now, O Father, glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world was. Jesus, our Lord, returned to the place where he was before he became flesh. And so we will join up with him soon. That will be permanent. What a place. What a time. What an event to look forward to. Be blessed. We see you tonight. Have a wonderful time in the house of God. Bring those friends. Bring those families. Bring the neighbors. And let's enjoy a wonderful display of godly talent glorifying our Savior and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Father, may this person listening to this absolutely be blessed in this day. May you be glorified. Lord, may the permanency of you reside in us. We pray for a massive blessing through the Bible school that these people will come, be equipped and trained and have a life-changing, continued experience with you so that you may be glorified through Christ Jesus. We pray this. Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.